Welcome, guys. Thank you for joining Ace Your Health Podcast. You're, my name is Ace Choksi here at Mason, Ohio at Ace Integrative Health. We have Erin Hanley here with us. She is our guest of the show for today. We're going to continue our talk on paradise gardening. Paradise gardening, not just gardening, but how do we create a paradise out of a garden? And um, there, you know, we talked about last time, you know, how garden, gardening happens, where it, it started, how other cultures do it in different parts of the world. So we're going to just, you know, rehash that again one more time and ask you, why do people garden and why do you garden? So I think a lot of people garden uh, out of... it can start out as a hobby, like, hey, let's see if what I can grow. Yeah. <laughs> um, other people garden because, like me, uh, they wanted to create not just a beautiful space to go into, but also a place where we can provide some sustenance um, for our families. And it's not to say that gardens uh, typically provide all of your food needs that's usually not realistic. At the same time, you'd be amazed at what you can grow even in a small space. That's really cool. So do you think it's pretty challenging? Or what do people feel when they I think start that, gardening? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think the challenging aspect to it is just maybe not knowing where to start. Um, I think there's a ton of great information online but where does one begin and how do you even assess yourself to know where to, where to start? Those can be some of the challenging aspects. So sometimes when we take on a project that seems larger than life or just too, too big to delve into, we can tend not to pursue those goals and dreams um, right out the gate out of some sort of fear. So I'm, I'm standing or sitting here today to try and help dispel some of the fear that goes into planning and maintaining your own garden because believe it or not, there are lots of plants that don't require a lot of work or even tending to. Um, there are usually plants for every part of your yard and there are ways to grow things that, um, as I said, can really provide wonderful things for your family. I, I know gardeners who you know, make their own soaps they make their own salves, they make their own herbal remedies, teas, etc. So there's just lots of reasons uh, for people to get, get their hands dirty. So that's really interesting to know. So can what we talked about last time was, yes, gardening can happen year-round. It can be homegrown. You can do, you can make it nutrient-dense depending on your nutrients. Obviously, if you do it at home, you can all try to make it organic. So that's kind of a thing. What else can we can we get out of gardening and other things that we talk about? How do you connect them? So, you know, maybe things that we... Uh, you know, I think gardening is really suitable for people of all walks of life, all mm. ages. We have gardens uh, that we can create for children um, that are not overly complicated and ways for them to get some experience with even math and science can be taught in the garden, culture and art. 
So for children, it's a great way to provide some homeschooling to. And also for, I would say, disabled people, um, whether that's mentally, physically, raised beds are designed to help people who are in wheelchairs. I mean, you can literally have them this high off the ground so that people who um, don't have um, full accessibility are able to tend their gardens at you know the right height. There are there's lots of studies out there for kids on the autism spectrum, not just kids but adults as well, who tend to respond really really well in a garden setting. It's almost as if we were pre-wired to know what to do with a seed. Mm -hmm. You give a seed to a mentally uh, ill patient or somebody with Alzheimer's or dementia, and they will instinctively know to put it into the ground. What are some of the other benefits of gardening? I, well, I'll speak to the benefits that I personally get from it. Um, grounding, which I think is something that it should happen in everybody's life every single day on some level, and that just means get outside and put your feet into the ground. Um, there is a magnetic frequency that the Earth uh, has that it, it that it itself admits that when we connect with the Earth's energy, we ourselves become in tune with that frequency, which is tends to be very calming for most people. It can tend to help you gain clear thought um, because you're sort of disengaging from what you would typically be doing. You're outside, so you're among the elements. You're getting sunshine in a lot of cases, so you're being uh, exposed to the sun, which is going to convert to vitamin D in your body. There are uh, physical, there's physical exercise to gardening, obviously. But I think for a lot of people, and especially now, just with everything that's going on in the world, the mental benefits that folks are um, all over the world reporting that they're getting just by being out in their garden is, mm -hmm. is just tremendous. Yeah, that's really good. One other benefit that I would say is when I was really, I grew up in India, and uh, I was 12 when I moved here, and we had a huge garden in our house. And uh, in our garden, we had a bunch of roses, we had jasmine, we had green tea, we had coconut, we had some sweet apples, and all kind of different stuff, right? Um, what else? There were a couple other flowers, like, I can't remember, but they, they smelled really nice. So the smell aspects, like, I would wake up, and in the morning there is this wind that just blows into your house or you're walking out and imagine that in your own house every day. Aromatherapy like, <laughs> right in your backyard. It, it's totally doable. That would be that would be amazing. So that's pretty cool. So um, when we garden, I'm assuming most gardens are organic, is that correct? So you know, it depends on the person who's gardening. There's still mm -hmm. a lot of chemical fertilizers, herbicides, pesticides, etc., that are on the market. And while they may fix the issue today, over time, what I would say most organic gardeners would purport is that 
these soils become degraded, they become demineralized, they become lifeless, and it gets harder and harder to get something out of that, which is in and of itself doesn't have the life-sustaining uh, capacities to produce you know, pumpkins or greens or whatever it is that you're trying to grow. So in my mind, if we can get as many people as possible to improve the soils right on, right on your plot, uh, whether you're in an apartment building, whether you're in a nursing home, hospital, um, whether you go to the university, whether you spend most of your time with parents, whatever the case may be, whatever the surrounding land is that you have access to, if we improve those soils, we will literally bring in more bees, uh, hummingbirds, butterflies, moths, um, ants, other types of pollinators. We need those pollinators to produce the flowers that produce the fruit that we all enjoy. So without creating this tapestry of gardens around the world, I don't know in whose hands we would lead this to. It almost has to happen at a grassroots level. That's really interesting that we need those bees. And that reminds me, just a couple of weeks ago, I heard some news about genetically modified uh, mosquitoes that scientists released in air in our environment. And uh, that just makes me wonder what would happen to our food if genetically modified mosquitoes now are genetically modified bees and you have genetically modified food, that would be quite an interesting pollination because you have all kind of, you know, plants to bees to animals now cross-pollinating. All of them are genetically modified. It's which is kind of potentially very problematic because we don't have long-term studies on what these genetically modified organisms can do. I think most people, especially in, in this world, the holistic world, we're aware of what genet genetically modified food can do because it will tend to have ill effects on the gut, mm. which then can spill over into our, our brains. So if the gut is compromised, the brain can tends to follow suit and becomes compromised itself. So we literally are what we eat. Mm. And by changing uh, what these, these items are growing in, the medium from which they're being produced, we can literally change what's going on inside of ourselves as mm. well. That is so true. Can, is there anybody who shouldn't garden or can't garden? You know, my inclination is to say no. I, I, I can't think of anybody. I mean, obviously, if it's not a, a something that would get you out, and if, if you're not going to pursue it ultimately, I don't think that that's an appropriate choice mm. for some people. Um, there's no sense in growing something to kill it. At the same time, I've gone through many trials and errors in my life. I've, mm. I have, not wanting to admit this, but I have also killed many plants in my lifetime. But the way that you get good at something is by not giving up. Just because this plant didn't survive, first of all, doesn't necessarily mean that you did anything wrong. 
it, secondly, it, it, so when you bought that plant, you could have you could have purchased the plant that was already in ill health. If you're not aware of where to put the plant, um, what kind of light requirements it has, what kind of soil requirements it has, what kind of fertilizer requirements it has, then you might end up killing plants just out of ignorance. And all of these things can be corrected. So uh, I, I am here to try and take some of the um, mystery out of it. That's that. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna demystify gardening for sure. That's definitely there. So in terms of gardening, we said we can grow year round. So the time is there. Now, can you grow anywhere? Are there different places? We we slightly slightly talked about um, some zones. What what does that mean? Can you talk us more about? Yeah, and I think I'll, and, uh, where, I'll share a little where? story, and I'll and I'll. Oh, so, answering the zone question that is critical in knowing what you can and cannot grow. Uh, it will save you a lot of time, energy, and frustration as well. Because as much as I would love to grow avocados, avocados tend not to grow in cooler climates. They just they require a lot of heat and light which we in zone 6A don't have because obviously half of our year is pretty much spent in cooler seasons. However, if you are in Georgia, Florida, Texas, California, uh, avocados, artichokes, and some of these Mediterranean or Middle Eastern delights, those items can much more easily be grown in areas that matches those plants, you know, where those plants originated from. If we can duplicate where something came from, chances are you're going to have greater success. Now, I, some people have greenhouses mm-hmm. and are able to grow some of those more tropical type of plants. Mm. Do you have a list of different zones and different plants? Yeah, so it's pretty easy to think conceptually. If you think of the United States, just picture the, a map of the United States. Uh, the northernmost states are going to be in typically zones 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. Anything below the state of Ohio, you're going to enter into zones 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So will you be able to give us a PDF of, Certainly. <laughs> of your zones and foods? The answer is yes. Because a lot of us don't understand these zones, nor will be able to remember them. So we can provide these PDFs so that you can look at your zone and wherever you are, you'll be able to know what are the what are the top 10, top 15 plants that grow in that area. And maybe then you can seasonally grow them. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So in terms of zones, since we're talking about zones, um, we you said we live in 6A. Mm-hmm. So that's Ohio. That's most of Ohio, and you will find typically subzones in states as well. So, for example, in the um, River Valley in which we live, mm-hmm. more southwest Ohio, because we're in a valley, we will tend to get microclimates which support a whole other set of fruits and vegetables that you might not be able to grow, say, in Vermont. But we can right here in Ohio, and even though 
we have long winters here because we live in this microclimate uh, we're we're given the added benefit of humidity um, and even warmer temperatures and that's why our our winters don't we don't typically see a lot of below 10 degrees below 20 like you can out in Iowa and mm-hmm. some some truly midwestern states where they get just brutal winters that's good to know so in terms of how do you know which plant likes the sun so or how does the sun relate to gardening you get good over time but initially when you're starting out there there are a couple of things that i would suggest that you do if you really want to get good at growing anything i would suggest you start small whether that's just a plant that you can grow in your home, so just like a house plant, or whether you want to try something outdoors, either way, start small. And I would, I would make sure that you are purchasing plants from your local nursery. You will get a really good feel for what grows well in your area by what is growing in those nurseries. The plant tag that that you that you get that's stuck in the soil that's a good place to start it will typically tell you in which zone the plant is known to grow in it will tell you what kind of sunlight requirements it needs if it's something you know that needs full sun you're looking at six to eight hours a day that is that is full full sun so if you put a shade-loving plant in a full sun area, you know what's going to happen. It's going to get burned up. And vice versa, you wouldn't want to put a sun-loving plant in a shaded area. It may not bloom. You might not get fruit. It may not do what it's designed to do. So when we go out and ask or buy some plants at the store, what are like the top 10 things that you look at? Uh, or you ask or I don't know how do you like it's not like buying a car where you have a specification is it or Mm -hmm. how do you ask or what do you look for in those there's four things Mm -hmm. and that's probably the easiest way to uh, boil it down you're you want to consider if you think of the world elementally this gets a little technical but I'll I'll say it this way in terms of carbon oxygen, hydrogen, and nitrogen. Those are the four basic elements that make up everything on planet Earth. Carbon means soil. It's equivalent to the soil. You want to make sure that your plant is going to thrive in the medium that it needs. So whether that's sandy soil or silty soil or you know, loamy soil, and we, we'll talk about those. Mm-hmm. That's that's part of the, the, the these courses. You'll get definitions on all of these things. Mm-hmm. But soil is so critical. Sunlight is akin to what nitrogen does in the real world, meaning if we, and again, I don't want to get too technical, but too much nitrogen on a plant can burn it. So again, in talking about the basic four elements, the sunlight can also burn certain plants, so it, it's important to have an understanding of what kind of sunshine and even get a little bit more detailed. Are we talking dappled shade, meaning are we going to see some sunlight coming through leaves? Are we talking full shade, where maybe you're just getting some morning sun? But those nuances matter. And 
they may not matter to a great degree, but the more that you can give that plant exactly what it, it needs to th- survive and thrive, the more it's going to give back. Um, so we talked about earth, we talked about sunlight. Water is critical. Some plants, uh, a lot of the Mediterranean herbs, for example, a lot of people don't have success with Mediterranean herbs because many people tend to overwater, and these kinds of herbs do not want that. Your lavender, your sage, your rosemary, your thyme, they just don't require a lot of water. So you want to make sure that you are meeting the water requirements of the plant. And lastly, air, oxygen. That's not only critical just as the plant is growing, but making sure that there is oxygen in the soil is key. Because what a lot of people do mistakenly is they'll plop some plant into a very clay soil and that clay is compact. Those particles are very fine and they will coagulate and they will form a ball and literally strangle the roots. So if the roots can't get access to air and water and nutrients, then they're not gonna grow. They're not gonna grow, you're suffocating the plant. The top growth is just as as important as what's going on beneath the soil. Mm -hmm. So this is so interesting. You know, we absolutely wanna learn from all of this stuff. We have a course that's coming up as well that you'll start looking at different ways of gardening and together we're going to teach it to you we're going to talk about it together we're going to learn from each other and together we're going to help create a different ecosystems even if it's in our small little houses little gardens it's going to help create a better world going forward and especially when we talk about it from the perspective of personalized precision gardening to your health, right? Garden the things that you're deficient in so that now you're getting all of those things in your own house. And um, that's that's going to be our journey. We'll talk a lot more about all the future courses that we have coming up from, you know, soil, so microorganisms and everything that you talk about. But um, come back next week. Today is Friday. As always, we have prayed for you. Please let us know what you are going through. Every Friday morning, we have a meditation uh, session, and uh, we would love for you to join in if you would like to. Just do it wherever you are, and think of us while you're doing it. We'll all be connected in this field, and uh, we'll be sending out these positive vibrations and positive thoughts to all of you and pretty much the entire world that needs it right now. So with that, I really appreciate your presence. Our link is below or somewhere on this page. Ace My Health community. Join the community if you like to. You'll have access to all the PDFs that we're talking about and all the other courses, all the videos that are guided so that you can take one step at a time. Just follow these along and Next thing you know, in a few months, you'll be a paradise gardener. So that's that's how we do it, right? Like it's one baby step at a time. And these videos are meant to be little baby steps, but guided but baby steps. And we're doing it from the perspective of positive energy, precision health, right down to your 
genetics. So it's kind of a very unique perspective and I'm obviously looking forward to it. And um, we'll see you next week on our next series on gardening where we talk about all the different course classes and lectures and topics that are coming up. And then I think the first topic after that is... Soil. Soil. Everything you want to know <laughs> and more. <Right>. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Namaste. Thank you.